This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael here, and I've got Allison DePauli on the line. Hey, Allison, how are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here. You are one of the key experts in, in healthcare, especially on the element of cost control. And that's a huge challenge that we face in, in the healthcare system in North America and, and, quite frankly, globally, because the demands on the system have steadily increased. Uh, supply of uh, employers and employees and work um, is not as good as it used to be. And throwing in insurance and or government funding, uh, it is made for a pretty big mess uh, for a lot of people and organizations. And one, of the, and one of the things that you do uh, amongst many things is you help guide organizations to really figure out what's going on in their organization so they can get some control and predictability back in the business. So how did you get into the business and, and what are some of the, the things that you're seeing? So I've been in some aspect of the health insurance industry for uh, about 25 years now. And that's been on the traditional advisor side, on the voluntary benefit side as an enrollment firm. And a few years ago, I decided that I could be effective and help employers in the medical arena. And I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people because there are agents exiting this arena in droves. And there's a lot of teeth gnashing and throwing up your hands. Well, there's nothing we can do. I know that's not true. And I saw clients, I've been very fortunate my whole career to really have clients that I, I enjoy working with, I like them as people, and I just was looking at this thinking, no, I know there's a better way to do this. And there are better ways to do it. It, it involves an employer taking some control and understanding what's happening and then developing some processes, normally with the help of an advisor, to make sure that you're eliminating all the waste, fraud, and abuse. I was at a, um, at, I was spoke at the World Healthcare Congress uh, earlier, a few weeks ago, and one of the other speakers was the uh, national leader for healthcare from Walmart. And she got up there and said, we all know that 30% of our health insurance spend is waste. So if you can simply remove the waste, you've already improved your outcomes by 30%. And we've seen things, and I, of course, I get a lot of the information, what's going on in the healthcare sector. And Walmart, you know, being a huge entity, you know, is, you know, looking at a lot of different things to control the cost as an employer to pay for the benefits for their employees. Yes. And, you know, and, and small businesses oftentimes you know, can struggle with that because they don't have the leverage that a Walmart or an Amazon or an Apple or a huge entities have as far as negotiating, buying power and all of that. But even saying that, you know, that, that example of, you know, 30% is waste mm -hmm. is absolutely alarming. If we can get that under control, even, even if we did that in half, if we cut exactly. healthcare costs by 15%, you know, that would be 
dramatic as far as being able to increase the level of care and access to care for people that can't afford it. I, I agree. And I think, you know, you are right that companies like Walmart and Amazon and Apple and, and you know, any of the Fortune 5 companies do have resources that small employers don't have. However, what they do have that any employer can have is a relentless focus on quality. And what Walmart has found, because they analyze everything in every arena of their business, they analyze everything and they have extended that into their healthcare arena, their health insurance arena. They analyze everything. Who's going where? Who's seeing what? What procedures are costing? What the trend is? What the outcomes are? They're looking at all of it. And what they focus on is quality. And we can all focus on quality. When you focus on quality, over time you drive down your cost because you don't have the negative consequences associated with a non-quality, for lack of a better word, procedure, and you have stability. And those are two things that will flatten your cost curve. So even if you're 30 or 50 or 100 or 500 or 1,000 employees, you can do that. Not everybody knows that, but you can. Yeah, and it's, you know, I know Walmart and, you know, some of the bigger players and even the smallest players, they can impact, you know, what you kind of described as, is the supply chain of things mm -hmm. and, and figuring out, okay, how many steps does it take to get from this to this? And even, and I know this is an article that I read, I might believe it was in Becker's, you know, where, you know, Walmart had looked at, you know, opportunities to basically, you know, transport, you know, a patient to basically outside of their area to get care because even the cost of the transportation and at this other location to give them the care was cheaper than it was closer. And it's one of those things where you go, wow, that's amazing, yep. but that's, that's how you can control cost. So they work on a center of excellence model. And for certain diagnoses, they have some pretty big carrots and sticks to uh, encourage people to go where they want them to go. They have um, carefully selected the highest quality providers and they dictate everything. What facility, what physician, what anesthesiologist, anybody that touches a Walmart patient has been vetted. And what they have found is they, one, control the cost, and two, they avoid unnecessary surgeries and they get better outcomes because when somebody goes to their local provider and the local provider says, oh, you need your knee replaced, that file is sent to the specialist that deals with knee replacements. And he'll look at that file and say, okay, yes, we need a knee replacement or you know what, we should try this first. And so they've avoided unnecessary surgeries and they've got the, one of the highest quality physicians in the country doing those surgeries when they are necessary. And when you travel for the Walmart program, you travel with a companion and all of the expenses for both parties are taken care of. So they're not only saving a significant amount of money, they're taking care of the employee and making sure that everything is okay. Yeah, and again, it, it's preventing in that situation by having somebody vet that if that patient truly didn't need 
knee surgery at that particular point, you just saved that patient a whole lot of recovery time, which again is costly, rehab, all of these other things that where other things could help prevent it. And, you know, I've seen it too, even in, you know, smaller communities, my parents, for example, you know, they live in a rural community or community in, in Florida and they're, you know, moving uh, to a, a larger metropolitan area, um, much to my brother's and my joy and happiness. <laughs> well, in case, I mean, not to go on a long story, but where they live, um, the only reason there was an Uber driver there is because he was visiting his parents that were living there too, because otherwise the Uber and Lyft do not serve that Exist. area. Sure. And it's a, a good hour and a half to two hours away from a major airport. Ooh. So, So whenever... I visited, you have to rent a car. And now, you know, when I travel, I rarely rent a car. Yep, use, you just hop in an Uber. Yeah, so it, it saves me a ton of money. Um, I'm sure, you know, you know the, the rental car companies are, are feeling it, but, you know, well, they can adapt or, or not. Uh, but it, you know, I digress, but it's a case of in, you know, that rural area, you know, they needed some health care and what they needed quite frankly, really wasn't available to what, you know, their standards of, of their own personal healthcare experience should be. So they, you know, they went over towards Tampa uh, to get the care, you know, it was a long mm -hmm. commute for them, but they got what they needed and the recovery time was much shorter than it would have been if they would have stayed where they were at. And so it, it was one of those things where I think that, that the last experience that they had really drove home the point of, yeah, maybe we need to move. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I think you do. And again, it's one of those things that with with healthcare, um, it's very important. It's crucial. Uh, just and and it's one of those things that I, I really hope that if the audience takes anything away from our conversation today, I really want people to get a better understanding of the healthcare system and what's going on with it, because as voters, as consumers you have a say in what this system can look like and it's, it, it, it works, but it's got many, many flaws. It, it does. And, and I think that we forget sometimes that we are consumers and we have a choice. You know, we're pretty much in a system right now where the system dictates to us. And um, as an individual, that can be a little challenging and it's challenging for employers as well. So what we always tell clients is that we don't let the market dictate to you. We dictate to the market. And that's how you get control. Yep. And when you do that, it just makes a big difference. So what are some common things that you're running into lately when you're helping an organization um, try to get cost and everything else under control? Because I'm guessing you, you, you see a lot of challenges in this space when you go into you know, an entity and, and figure out, okay, there's a lot to be done here. There is. So I think it's important to take people where they are. Um, and, and many employers, even larger employers, just think that there's nothing that they can do, that it is what it is. This is an operating cost and we're just going to manage it every year. And it's not. If you take it apart and you apply the same supply chain practices that you apply to every other part of your business, you can actually make something predictable, controllable, and valuable for your employees. And most employers offer a benefits package as a benefit to their employees. They don't realize that, you know, 80% of their group is functionally uninsured because they can't afford to go to the doctor. So you 
take a look at where they are and then create a plan for them to get them first into fiduciary contracts so that all of their partners are responsible to them. I cannot tell you how many contracts I have looked at where the PBM owes the rebates and the discounts and all of the other buckets that they pull revenue from, not to the employer, but either to the insurance company or to the TPA. That's not an appropriate contract. An appropriate contract is that all excess revenue, all third-party revenue comes back to the employer. That is an appropriate contract. It is an appropriate contract that whoever is managing your claims, manage claims, make sure that they're not 100% or 99.9% auto-adjudicated so you can catch a misdiagnosis. You can catch something that's being billed three times before it gets paid because then the clawback doesn't necessarily come back to you. Um, that you can catch somebody that is starting to have a problem with an opioid. You know, that is one of the kind of hidden things in, in all of this mess with pharmacy is that doctors are in a hurry. They don't have as much time as they used to. They just prescribe and people are easily addicted to, to prescription painkillers. You know, it's a problem. The National Safety Council, which is a workers' comp body, um, has uh, some data that 80-some percent of employers think that prescription drug use is a workers' comp issue. So you want to prevent that if you can. You need some stops in the road to identify when those things are happening. But you need contracts that say that those vendors are responsible to you and not to each other. That is the first place that you want to look. And then you want to move into making sure that your pharmacy benefit manager is giving you all the third-party revenue, making sure that care is appropriate, that diagnoses are correct, that, you know, you want to make sure that doctors get paid. I mean, they, yes, they want to help people, but they have practices to run and, and they need to be paid as well as people. So you can do that when you have somebody that manages your healthcare business unit, because you have one even if you don't want to, as the rest of your business runs. And I would say it takes one to three renewal cycles to truly get there. So you need a plan. Yeah, and I think that what's crucial about that is to, you know, to map it out and, and understand all the moving parts that's going on in our system because what happens is you look at everything and as I, I think I alluded to before, People feel that they're you know out of control and they don't yep. they can't change anything which they can and even you know a ten percent increase on on revenue and again it's important for physicians to get paid especially with all the compliance and things like yep. that I've talked with you know many physicians in the states and you know they're they're making less than they did a decade ago but they're oh, working absolutely. more harder yeah, much and, harder and, and and you look at that and go okay, A, that's not sustainable. It's certainly not a good Correct. recruitment strategy for, for people to enter the field. And we need more physicians and healthcare workers, not less, because our population is aging. aging. Yeah, and we, in the area that I'm in, you know, in, in Toronto, you know, the population over age 65 is going to double in 16 years. Mm -hmm. We're and not too far behind you here. Yeah, and over 90 will triple. Um, well, let's do the math. Uh, for people that work in the healthcare system, those are the ages that mm -hmm. tend to use the system the most a healthcare. lot. 
And if we don't have healthcare workers um, and doctors to be able to address that, we are going to have a significant issue. So we need to figure out a way to um, to address this on a variety of fronts. I, I, I wish there was a magic pill, but uh, there's there, not. Nope, there isn't. So what I, I talk a lot of, with employers about disaggregating the supply chain. Um, most people and most employers think that an insurance company is this monolith that um, manages everything in their health plan. That isn't quite um, an accurate assessment. There are several parts to a health plan. You know, there's the claims processing and plan management part. There is the sales and marketing program manager coordination part. There's the provider network. There's reinsurance. There's case man medical case management, pharmacy benefit manager. The insurance company doesn't own all those pieces. Generally, an insurance company owns their third-party administrator claims processing, and they own their network. Okay, that's what they own. They all have reinsurance because they don't take 100% of the risk. They pass a certain amount of the risk off to other reinsurance companies. That's called stop-loss insurance. They don't generally do their own care management. They've hired an outside service to do that for them, although an employer or an employee may not know that. We all know what's going on with pharmacy in the United States. That is never managed in-house by, an, by a, an insurance company anymore. Um, Optum, CVS, Caremark, and Express Scripts have 70% of the market, but then there are many other independent pharmacy benefit managers as well. So as an employer, you can take that model apart and recreate it to work for you. It is not as hard as people think it is. Yeah, that's crucial uh, for people to to recognize that. So, what is the best advice you can give to an organization um, that feels like they're drowning with with all of these things that are going on in the system? What you know, not that there's one thing that they could do, but what you know, what 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 kind of hope can you give them? Uh, well, there's when they're, a, there's a place to start. Right, so you should always ask for your data. And you know, insurance is regulated state by state, so different states have different rules about what data you can get. But you should always ask for your data. And when you don't get it, the next question should be, why are you not giving it to me? It's your employees, it's your money that's paying the premium, it's your data. You should have access to it. Until you get access to data, you can't control anything. You can't look and see what's happening. And I've used the word you a lot, but I think it's important to know that there's, there are advisors all, all over the United States, not a huge number, but, but a growing number that will fight for you to get your data, take a look at, see what's going on, and start to get you on a journey to control. If you don't know what's going on in your plan, there's not a lot you can do but you can get away from it. So if you can't get your data, then you work on getting away from it and getting data another way. But I think it's the best place to start. Go to your current health insurance company and say, I want my claims data. And you want the detail. You, you don't wanna know who it is, but you wanna know the date of service and what the diagnosis was and what the billed amount was and what the paid amount was. And that might make you fall off your chair when you get back up and take a look and see if you can spot any trends and then find somebody to help you. 
That's crucial, crucial advice and uh, amazing help. So where can people find out more about you and the awesome work that you're doing in this space? So uh, I've created a landing page for you on my website, alisondepali.com. And there is a video there that talks a little bit about tools you can use. There's a link to my guide. Um, I call it Instant EBITDA, how to you know, get control of your health plan and ex extract the capital trap there unnecessarily. You can grab some time on my calendar. I'm happy to answer questions for anybody. And then my business website is depoliprofservices.com. And there's a ton of resources there about where to start, how to start, some things to look at. Um, so either place. And I'm also going to send you a video. I saw it yesterday. It was by Dr. Oz. And it is the by far the best explanation of what is wrong with the healthcare and health insurance systems in the United States I have ever seen. It's six minutes. It's a little longer than I would normally send everybody, anyone, but it is absolutely worth watching. That is awesome. And thank you for that. And audience, I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So Allison, great talking with you. Uh, I could talk about healthcare all day because I've you know, been in the field for a long time and I really want people to take better care of themselves. And I want the people that take care of us uh, to be able to you know, have successful businesses. Exactly. It's, it's crucial. So thanks again for being on the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Until next time, everybody, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.